Be kind. Rewind. This is Dope Nostalgia. This is episode 105 of Dope Nostalgia. And welcome. My name is Naomi. I'm your host, as always. And I have a special guest today who runs a YouTube channel full of rarities and unreleased tracks by the member of InSync that goes by the name JC Chazé. Her name is Annika Waters, and you can find her channel, of course, on YouTube. All you have to look up is JC Chazé Archive to find all that goodness. In my opinion, and I've always held this opinion strongly, JC never got his due. He's an extremely talented vocalist, songwriter, producer, and deserves way more than he got, in my opinion, of course. So we're going to spend some time talking to Annika about the song she discovered, um, what happened with his solo career, and we'll go from there. Uh, first, here's a little bit of information on J.C. Chazé. Wikipedia Moment. Joshua Scott J.C. Chazé is an American singer, songwriter, dancer, record producer, and occasional actor. He started out his career as a cast member on the Mickey Mouse Club before rising to stardom with NSYNC and by writing and producing for music acts such as Girls Aloud, Sugar Babes, Basement Jacks, David Archuleta, and Matthew Morrison. He also served as a judge for America's Best Dance Crew. Chazé was born in August 8, 1976 in Bowie, Maryland. When he was five years old, his biological mother entrusted guardianship of her son to her own former foster parents, Roy and Karen Chazé, who worked as a technology company consultant and an editor, respectively. They adopted him. JC often danced at home in front of his parents despite being shy in public, eventually developing an interest in singing in order to become more confident. At the age of 13, he won a national dancing competition, eventually being offered a position in the Mickey Mouse Club at the age of 15. As a child, Chazé was extremely shy, but when a friend bet him $20 to enter a talent show, he won the contest and soon realized he had a knack for performing and that he really enjoyed singing. In 1989, his mother Karen Chazé noticed a small ad in the Washington Post announcing auditions for Disney's The Mickey Mouse Club and encouraged Chazé to try out. He chose to audition, selecting the song Right Here Waiting by Richard Marks. JC was soon cast as a performer in the fourth season and stayed until the show's cancellation in 1994. Since there was another Mouseketeer named Josh, Chazé went by his first and last initials, JC, to avoid confusion. It was during his time as a Mouseketeer that Chazé befriended future bandmate Justin Timberlake, along with other future entertainers including Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Tony Luca, Carrie Russell, and Ryan Gosling. He co-wrote the song Give In To Me, when he was 18 in 1994 with his Mickey Mouse Club castmates Dale Godboldo and Tony Luca. On Huge Groove's debut CD, Chazé sings lead on the song. He also is gifted with a four-octave vocal range. JC and Justin were the two lead singers of what would become the popular boy band InSync. The group was formed in 1995 and became popular in Europe in 96. Now, we all know what happens to NSYNC. They sign with Lou Pearlman, Jive Records, everything blows up, goes insanely huge for them. We know that JC put out his own solo album called Schizophrenic. Now, the band never formally disbanded, but since 2004, members have stated that the band is done and have no plans to record new music or tour. 
They've done sporadic, one-off performances over the years, like the MTV Video Awards when Justin Timberlake won the Video Vanguard Award that year, and reuniting with Lance, Joey, and Chris for a one-night performance as part of Ariana Grande's headlining set at Coachella. JC's solo efforts have included being a guest on the 1999 single Bring It All To Me by the girl group Black, as well, working with Wild Orchid and producing and songwriting for them. That's the group that Fergie was originally from. Now, he worked on his solo album. His first solo single he put out was this one, Blowing Me Up With Her Love, co-produced by Dallas Austin for the Drumline soundtrack. Then, Schizophrenic was released on February 2004. Really, really ahead of its time. And so much was happening with Justin's career at the same time. It didn't quite pull off the same bang that we wanted it to, but... He started working on a second album called The Story of Kate in late 2004. And we talk a little bit about what happened with that and where those songs went. Today with our guest from the J.C. Chazé archive, Annika Waters. Welcome. Well, I'm really happy to talk to you because I discovered you on YouTube. Um, and I'd like you to take a moment to tell everybody about your YouTube channel and what it's all about. Okay, well, so it, it's really quite straightforward. I mean, so I um, am obviously the generation that enjoyed NSYNC um, as teenagers, but I would have really got into them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I discovered JC as a solo artist when I, in about 2011. And at the time, that was obviously after a lot of the sort of drama had happened. And there was a bunch of unreleased tracks floating around um, on whatever they were called at the time, sort of the download systems, the Kazar and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had those and they were on those tracks and they were on my iTunes. They've been on my iTunes for, for years. And for some reason this summer, I suddenly started listening to them again and enjoying them again and thinking, I wonder if he's done anything else since which um, obviously he hasn't, unfortunately, but fair enough. Um, but in the meantime, there have been a lot, well, a number of other um, tracks released or unreleased tracks sort of leaked onto the internet rather, rather than released. Um, and so I found these, you know, through searching and so on. Um, and then it occurred to me that it's actually really hard to find his work because nobody's ever put it in one particular place with like a name, like a searchable thing. Um, and that kind of annoyed me just because I'm, you know, I feel like they deserve to be somewhere that people can actually find them if they want them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of thought about for a few days, well, somebody should make that archive. And then it occurred to me that I could make that archive. You know, I'm completely unfamiliar with these things, but it's not that, it's not rocket science. So I decided I would make the, um, the J.C. Chazé archive. That's and that's what it is, it's a history list of all his songs. It's incredible to have that all in one space because I kind of had that same frustration where it'd be like, okay, I'd hear like maybe like a demo-y kind of version of something. And then I'm like, where do I find the rest of the stuff that he's doing? Because it's still so strong. It's good music. Mm. And thank you for compiling it so that his fans can find it. It's uh, I'll be sharing a link definitely to the YouTube archive, the JC Chazé archive. Um, and I wanted to talk to you because you're obviously a true fan who embraces these solo recordings. Um, and believes in his true talents. So I will say that a lot of my comments regarding JC in the NSYNC days are very strongly based on my personal opinion. Because <laughs> I know a lot of people might not agree with me, and that's okay, because I think just as many do, that I never really understood why Justin Timberlake got the breaks he did 
when JC was the superior vocalist, in my opinion? I mean, I, I, to be honest, I see where you're coming from. I do yeah. have some, some mixed opinions on that because mm. I, so I just put the record, I am not a particular Justin fan. He's not really my kind of thing. I did really enjoy the Future Sex Love, whatever it was. That yeah. one, second album. I really enjoyed that one. I forget what it's called, but you know, right? Mm. Um, but like, it's one of those ones that I enjoyed at the time and then haven't really come back to listen to it ever again. So, you know, I wouldn't call myself a fan or anything. But I think, I think there's a lot going on there um, that's like partly it's a personality thing, partly it's a timing thing, partly it's a record label thing. It's a big record label thing, to be fair, which we can talk to them about if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but as somebody, and I should just say for the record that I don't know either one of them, like I don't know them obviously personally, but I also don't know anything about their personal lives at all, almost. You know, I've never really been interested in that. And it was kind of slightly after, like I was a little bit too old to start getting into that. So I, mm-hmm. anything that I say here is based purely on what I can see from, you know, their records and so on, rather than any understanding of them personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think sometimes fans, and I see this on the YouTube comments sometimes, they can sort of blame Justin for what happened with JC. Mm-hmm. Whereas I have never found any indication at all that, first of all, Justin had anything to do with what happened. But also, as far as I can see, Justin's always been very, really supportive of JC. I think they go back a very long way, you know, even before NSYNC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even as recently as, as whatever it was, 2020, um, Justin was referring to JC as one of the most talented people he's ever met. So, you know, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of, I think, affection between them. So I don't really want to get into the whole JC versus Justin. I think Justin is a, a, a worthwhile artist in his own right. I just yeah. think it's a shame that JC didn't get a fair shake. Very well said. Very well said. And we want to keep it on a positive note. So I appreciate your take on that, especially because you were saying that he's always wished him well and always believed in his talent. So thank you for putting that out there. Um, so... You discovered JC later after the instinct thing. How did you come across this music and get into it? To be honest, I can't actually remember. Yeah. Um, somehow I had a copy of the Schizophrenic album mm-hmm. that I got from somewhere because I was moving around a lot at that point. This was kind of in my in my mid twenties, so it was a lot of moving and then you know boxes and things that never quite got unpacked. And you know you go to a charity shop and buy a bunch of stuff and then kind of forget about it and so on. Mm-hmm. So somehow I ended up with a copy of Schizophrenic. And I think I played it, uh, which obviously is his only solo album, I should just put out there for people who don't know, mm-hmm. um, and kind of almost played it back to back for for a year or something like that. I mean, not constantly, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the interesting thing about that album is a lot of the reviews that it got when it came out were pos- very positive in the sense that they, these the reviewers were kind of talking about him as a real talent, as somebody who had a real understanding of, you know, breadth of genres and how to bring them together and how to bring, sort of break down the barriers between the genres Mm -hmm. and so on. And, but a lot of the fans, um, well, not the fans, but I mean, the sort of the the record buying public were maybe rather surprised when it came out because it was not a typical, you know, let's call it a typical boy band, a debut album or whatever. Um, and I think, well, part of all that is because it didn't get promoted and so on and so forth. Um, But partly it's also, it's such a, it is quite a musically complex album, I think. He tries mm. to do a lot of different things. He tries to do it very hard, uh, or not tries to do it very hard, but you know, he tries to do lots of stuff in a small, in a small, you know, in one album, basically. It's, it's ambitious. Not, 
it's ambitious. It's it's very dense. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Very dense. There's a lot going on. But that means that from my point of view, um, because I listen to music usually on on my commutes, so you know, long bus rides, long train rides, that I can keep listening to this album over and over and over again and always discover something new. Mm. You know, and even I mean, this is why I came back to it um in the summer. You know, it's been some time since I really listened to it very carefully, but now in the summer I listen to it again. And, you know, my favorite tracks now are completely different from my favorite tracks at the time when I first discovered it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's what I like about his music. Particularly. cool that like uh maybe a song that you didn't exactly invest in early on when you first heard it is something that's more appealing to you now you know? and I was listening to some tracks from this album recently too and I was kind of thinking I was like why did I never give this song a fair shake I kind of dig at it right <laughs> and I think part of that too is because I, I the album was ahead of its time musically people weren't prepared for the sounds that he was coming up with yet but now if you listen to this album it fits in quite well with what's going on currently i think it does and i think that's the thing about his music is um because there were so many kind of throwbacks also to the 80s and so on it's very much i think one one reviewer said he wears his influence on his sleeve which he does mm -hmm. it's kind of timeless in that way because he has such a good sense of what to pick and what works and it keeps working you know it's not like it's not a flash in the pan kind of thing mm -hmm. Now, think, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was always going to say, um, I think partly it was also, it's not so much the, the, you know, the timing of the music as much as the timing of it in his career. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think, I think people saying, yeah, well, Justin was also really over, you know, sort of very sexual and so on in his, in his second album, which he was. But I think he kind of gave people that stepping stone of the first album, which was sexual, but it was kind of still, you know, college boy kind of sexual yeah. you know we're in a club or whatever and it's fun and you know maybe we'll go home later whereas JC was like well I'm almost 30 you know let's not screw around anymore which I get now that I'm in my 30s um but yeah. it was maybe a bit intimidating for the 17 year olds who had kind of been kissing goodnight for the last three or four years it's funny because they're growing up with their audience but at the same time the audience is maybe not quite ready for that they're like whoa because no matter what, if you're in a boy band, I feel like you're going to have an audience that's at least five years younger than you, at mm, least exactly. some of them. 
at least yeah. some of them. You'll still have the girls that are your age because I mean, I was 20 and 20 or 21 when InSync was big. So I was pretty much their age and I was like, so I, I got it the whole time, but I grew up on the new kids on the block mm. as being the ones that were like my swoon worthy, you know, getting to know what boys were like kind of thing. Um, but yeah, InSync had that. And I think when they're hearing songs like Adidas, Mm. all day long I dream about sex for those who don't know I I think they're a little bit like this is uh, this is too much for me still I'm not ready for this yeah no definitely I think that was and that was that was a big part of people's criticism now at the time and as they come back and listen to it like you say there's a lot of comments that go well this is actually a much better song than I realized because it freaked me out the first time so I didn't really listen to it again you know <laughs> yeah. um I mean to be honest even like um the the some girls the, the first single, the famous, you know, some girls dance with women kind of thing. Even though mm. I kind of see where the criticism is coming from, I actually really enjoy that song now. I hated it at the time. I hated it even in 2011. But somehow yeah. it's really interesting and quirky, you know, the way the melody is put together, even if the subject matter is a bit, um, you know, not everyone's taste. Exactly. Um, it was a fun song. I, I liked it. I just... The, the thing I like most is when JC sings a song that actually showcases his voice mm. and what he can do. Um, and so maybe that part of the, this album too, some of the ballads he could really wail on for sure. But oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like he was a little restrained vocally on some of those tracks, like some girls dance with women. But even before that, the first single that he'd put out as a solo artist was from the drumline soundtrack. Mm. Do you have that one on the archive? Um, I don't have that on the archive, so I try to just stick with the the ones that aren't published. But it's definitely okay. easily available. Um, yeah, because otherwise it kind of became a whole thing, and then I might be I might get you know sued by Sony or whatever. Copyright. So, sorry. Oh, copyright infringements and such. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean actually there are a couple of the ones that there are on there which are, have been released, but they're so little known that I thought, well, you know, nobody's going to mind. But apparently Sony got really arsy with him when he put it up on schizophrenic when he put it out up on um, soundcloud or something so i thought oh. let's not open that whole can of worms okay <laughs> um the song i was referring to is blowing me up with her love um it, it had moderate success i remember seeing the video in in rotation um tara reed was in the video so that gave him a little bit of she was pretty big at the time as an actress that gave him a bit of attention but i like that song it was that chorus was great and catchy. And on, when that came out, I was like very excited to see what he would pull off after NSYNC. But she couldn't fight the chemistry. And I say, We'll be right back. Yeah. Hey, I'm Josh Rodriguez. And I'm Mike Zacchio. And we are the, the new, new pod, pod on, on the block. block. Every week, Mike and I will be breaking down our obsession with everything boy band culture. From bangers to bops to fashion and everything in between. If it's boy band related, we've got you covered. We also want you to be a part of it. So call to our hotline and leave a voicemail for the show. 818 
308-408-4084. Be sure to subscribe, give us five stars, and leave us a review. Follow me at Mike underscore Zacchio. And I'm Josh Rodriguez at Josh underscore Rodriguez underscore. You can follow New Pod on the Block on Instagram at New Pod on the Block. New Pod on the Block. Every week on your favorite podcast platform. Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. I want my baby back. 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 Ribs. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. Chili's baby back ribs. Barbecue sauce. say your favorites change from what happened on schizophrenic different songs but is there any that right now you're really into that stand out for you um i think i really enjoyed the basement jacks collaborations mm-hmm. i kind of wish he'd done a whole album of them but um too bad for me um, plug it in that's the one that, I, I was plug it in and the one on on the album I mean I like plug it in but that's more kind of the basement jacks end of things it's it's very yeah. kind of electronic which I do enjoy um but the one I was thinking of is um I think it's shake it on the schizophrenic album which is also with basement jacks and then they kind of did an exchange this electricity it's too much for me Anyway, we are not to lose. 
But actually, the interesting thing about the YouTube page is it obviously I can see the um, the uh, views, like the number of views. Mm-hmm. And my favorite songs don't correspond at all with everyone else's favorite songs, apparently. So <laughs> that was quite funny. I was convinced that'd be the ones, but oh well. these are so good though you have here a lot of collaborations well I, I sort of uploaded them in batches and of course they all appear in the order of uploads so actually there aren't that many collaborations they just all appear on the first row because okay. they're the last ones that I uploaded so there's like five or six I think there's so many more in here that I ever thought were available because from what I understand after Schizophrenic came out he had started writing and demoing for a new album that I from what I understand was supposed to be called Kate yes okay what do you what do you know about that well so it's kind of um not that much to be fair uh I don't think anybody knows that much that's kind of part of the whole mystery um and I was digging into this and um sort of trying to get some notes together for this podcast I actually started thinking somebody should really write a book about this like just the drama behind the scenes. So something really interesting was going on back there or something completely chaotic. I mean, even from the very beginning of his, of his solo attempts, um, and we'll probably know what, never know what it was, but they made some really bizarre decisions, um, Jive, you know, the record label. Mm-hmm. Um, but so about Kate, uh, so yeah. So, um, hang on, let me just backtrack a second. So Schizophrenic eventually came out in, in the beginning of 2004. And we know that, so he, he did some touring as an opening act with Britney and a few bits and pieces sort of in the spring, summer 2004. Um, but we know he started working on Kate um, sort of late 2004 to mid 2005. And it was due for an end, um, yeah, end 2005 release date, I think. Mm-hmm. And then essentially it got pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally we got to 2007 and well, actually from end 2006, early 2007, they released a couple of singles and then they got pushed some more. And then the whole thing just kind of fizzled out. And finally in September, 2007, he was released from his contract. So what happened in between there in those three years, God knows. Wow. Yeah. So basically yeah. they were like, ah, we're not sure if the whole album's going to sell. So let's test this song out and go from there. And then they were, that, that sounds like what they were trying to do. Yeah. I mean, well, it was even more confusing than that. Cause you have to realize that, I mean, record companies, obviously they front the money um, mm-hmm. to record these things. And so for the first album, I kind of see, I mean, from all the comments that we have um, and, and all these things, you know, JC was very much not playing ball with the whole corporate thing, which, mm-hmm. you know, as a former corporate stooge myself, um that is not how things work in the corporate world you could be the most talented amazing individual ever but for your first album you really have to tie the corporate line right yeah always and that's just the way it is and it sucks but that's the way it is um so that was a back and forth thing and also of course there's the fact that you know you had nick carter who was sort of the backstreet boys heartthrob at the time he he released an, an album and then a month later and that flopped and then justin released justified in a month after that and then, um, and obviously, when when he sort of started to take off, and we started to get some some traction with you know partly the whole Britney Spears thing and everything. I think Jar just put everything into that, mm-hmm. and so that was in sort of late two thousand two, and then two thousand three. There was a bunch of record label 
like management change and things like that, which obviously doesn't help the artist trying to get a new album out. So there's, I'm not saying it's understandable, it's fair what happened during that time for Jesse, but there was a lot of stuff going on. And from a corporate perspective, I can see why things might have gone the way that they did kind of thing, Yeah, which isn't that I agree with it, but you know, it's, that is what it is. But then, yes, then we get to the cake bit, which is really interesting because first of all, I mean, so Jive has effectively given no support to schizophrenia at all mm-hmm. they're not obligated as far as i can tell to give him another album and yet they do and they pay for all these expensive producers i think he had i mean he had justin he had timberland which by the way another example of their collaboration but he had justin on there as a producer love timberland um, he had timberland exactly he had dallas also i mean these people were expensive yeah you know <laughs> so you've got the label throwing this money at him um and then saying he's going to, so he's finished this album for mid-2005, as far as I'm aware. Um, and then they hold on to it for a couple of years. But during that time, um, of course, Justin was sort of having his um, in-between records thing and actually stretching it quite away. Because I think he, he went, what did he, it was 2002, Justified was released. And then 2006, I think the end, um, the next one was released, Future Sex Love Sound. Mm-hmm. Um, which is quite a long time for a new artist, four years, you know, um, to establish himself. Obviously, he was doing a lot of stuff in between. He's very good at the whole promotional thing as well, as we all know, and kind of keeping himself in the news and so on. Um, But anyway, my point, I was coming to my point, (laughs) which is that um, in 2006, Until Yesterday is finally released, which is supposed to be the first single of the Kate album. But that was also one of the ones that was co-written and produced by Justin. Mm. So at the same time, Future Sex Love Sound is about is coming out and obviously makes a huge splash as it did. Um, and I kind of feel like maybe at that point they decided, well, Justin is now a bona fide superstar. We don't need JC anymore. But it's the mm. odd that they released, first of all, then they released another single, um, You Ruined Me, mm. in early 2007. How oh, ironic. Thing. I know, right? But then there was you this whole weird me. thing about... Um, so apparently this is obviously hearsay because I wasn't around at that time, so I don't know. But supposedly um, single, these two singles sent out to the stations, according to Jai, radio stations. Um, fans would call in and be told there was no single. JC had no single that was playable. And then Jive pulls the singles, which is like you spend all this money. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as I'm aware, you don't have to pay for the singles to be in rotation. Why would you not just like leave them out there and hope for the best? Yeah, right. Um, and then at, at this point, also, JC was on a, a radio station tour, which was kind of beneath him, to be honest, I mean, in terms of like stature. But nevertheless, he was doing the work, he was putting the work, and he'd done everything he was supposed to do. The record was in the bag. And then something happens. And then in September 2007, he no longer has a, a deal. Mm. You know, is this one of those what situations? I mean, why would you not just at least put out the record? You could still release it independently. Well, so that's the interesting thing. Um, and that's kind of partly why I think people should just leave JC alone at this point. Yeah. Is, so we're in September 2007, right? He's had a hell of a time for the last, you know, what, five years, four years, five years? Yeah, yeah. five years, 2002 to 2007. Interestingly, he was never that interested in being a solo star. I think like if we go, I mean, I know people sort of say, oh, he does performing and so on, which I'm sure he does. But like, if you go back, most of these um, child performers, and I say that very broadly, 
you know, if you are, if you look at the history, there's always something like somebody was saying, oh, they were singing from when they were in the crib or they were dancing as soon as they can get on the dinner table or whatever, you know, it was like trying to get attention. Whereas mm-hmm. Jesse is very different um, because apparently he only entered his first talent show when a friend bet him $20 to enter, basically. And then he mm-hmm. won. Great, you know. <laughs> Um, and then at some point, his mother found an ad for, and I'm sure he was doing a few bits and pieces in between them, but at some point, his mother found an ad um, for the, the Mickey Mouse Club thing and persuaded him to go, you know, and then he went and got it. Mm-hmm. And then he was on that for four years. And then, um, four years, I think it was four years. And then after that, he goes off to LA to try to make it as a songwriter because already um, at the age of 18, so before the end of the show, or sort of on the year that the show ends, he's already re- writing his first song, which was released. Which he's probably is, working um, with some of his friends from the show too, like Tony Well, that's the Luka. thing, I mean, that song was actually, so it's called Give In To Me, it's on the YouTube channel, um, and it's co-written by Tony Luca and Dale Gabaldo, who were on there at the time. And actually, interestingly, the, the NSYNC guys do the backing vocals along with Dale and Tony on the final oh. release. But the point being that already at 18, you know, he's trying to be a songwriter, right? So he goes off to, to LA or whatever, and then he's not successful in doing whatever it is he wants to do. And so he comes back, um, thinking he's got to go to college or whatever, which is a very sort of JC to think you think, you know, I must be serious about this, I must go to college. Mm-hmm. And then on his way back, he sort of stops in at Justin's house for some reason, as people do apparently. Um, and, and Justin at this point is obviously still trying to make a go of it. And they spend some time sort of being a duo, you know, unofficially, mm-hmm. but they kind of work together as a duo. And then things happen and um, Justin is called by Chris and Chris says he wants to make a boy band, like Backstreet Boys, basically. Yeah. Um, but better, I think. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and so JC kind of tags along. And that's the story of JC Chassier's career. You know, at every stage, like somebody's kind of dragging him along to the next phase. And that's not really the kind of, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not ambitious or talented or anything like that. But no. if you want to be at that top level, that's not the kind of attitude that you take. It just isn't. It just Sorry. it just showcases the fact that as much as he might love what he does, there's things he likes to do better, and I think that's more of being of a behind the scenes player. Exactly. Because he was already he was already doing production for other artists at a certain point during NSYNC. There was a group, oh, yeah. a girl group, Wild Orchid, mm-hmm. where we that's where we got Fergie from, the Black Eyed Peas. I Fergie. did not know that. She was from Wild Orchid, and that was JC's project. Like he was producing them. Um, and I think even now he's still doing the production for people or trying, he tried to put it together another girl group in the last 10 years. I would yeah. see him on his, he's not one that goes on social media that often, but when he does, he was really talking about that project a lot. Yeah. I remember he got, there was something about that. I think that was around 2012. Yeah. When I was kind of paying attention last, if you like. Um, but yeah, there was something about that. Last night about a baby on the way It made me suspicious of another guy Cause you couldn't tell me to my face And so I asked to find out if I was right That's when your eyes filled up with rage Now nine months go by He's not my blood type Look at the mess you've made 
I loved you all the way until yesterday. Yeah, it seems like writing and production is definitely his true calling, like his happy place. It just happens that he has one of the most amazing singing voices I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) It's such a shame. I know it's such a shame, but it's a waste almost because he doesn't need that kind of voice to do what he wants to be doing. But, you know, (laughs) yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, so that's the thing. So I, you know, I I have to say at my age at this point, I kind of get where he's coming from because Mm. if, if, if I was faced with, doing the whole superstar thing even assuming that that could be done at this point and looking at some of the comments that you get on social media about these things you know every time I see somebody talking about yeah every time he pops up on my on my feed because obviously he does a lot now that I have the channel you know it'll always be oh Jesse we miss you come back etc also cut your hair or <laughs> change your outfit or whatever and at this point he's like he's 45 you know um I don't really blame him for not wanting to play that game anymore especially if it's not what he really seriously wants to do yeah. Um, but I, but I do think I do appreciate that we have so much from him, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. I mean, people say, "Oh, we need another album, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But I think I see Ed to the email. You know, we've got probably three or four albums worth of stuff already out there. You know, if you take a schizophrenic, it's already quite a long album. So if you take the average album length, be about twelve songs. There's there's a good couple of albums out there to enjoy, which is as much as most people make in their careers. So you know, let's enjoy that. I am so excited to listen to all of this now. There's so many here that I've never even heard of when I'm looking at it. There's some I have. Um, I definitely knew you ruined me. My favorite of the um, unreleased tracks would be I'm Not Sleeping Alone. I absolutely adore that song. Oh. I don't know if there's a version until I listen to yours. I don't know what the version quality is like because I know there's a lot of demo track type stuff floating around, you know? Well, quite a lot of it is demo stuff, but actually on that particular one, I suspect that there's a, so somebody messaged me about it and said they had a better quality version. Ooh. And as of yet, have not sent it to me. So <sighs> if you're out there, please send it to me so that we can upload it and everyone can listen to it. But I think this one is the demo quality version, sadly. Yeah, whoever you are, <laughs> you'll get all the credit. <laughs> um, your name, how did you compile a lot of these well it's just kind of i'm one of these people who spends too much time on the internet sometimes um especially back then yeah. um so when i so when i first got into schizophrenic um i sort of started backtracking and uh, also really enjoying sync now actually in a way that i didn't at the time which is kind of funny yes. um but so there's a lot of kind of googling and things like that and there was this um this selection of tracks that was claiming to be the unreleased kate, kate album which I don't actually think it was because some of them were older than the Kate album would have been. Some of the tracks ended up on uh, other people's projects. So I think it's actually just a collection of demos that happened to be around at the time, but whatever, you know, it's, it's out there. And so I had those. And then um, in the meantime, there have been another couple of drops of, of demos. And if you poke around Tumblr and things like that, not that I spend a lot of time on that, but when for this kind of thing, there's no better place. Um, you know, you ba- I basically just started looking for comments that said, this has happened, this has happened, and trying to find the tracks that were associated with it, which is actually not that difficult once, you've, once you're looking, basically. But if you're not looking, then it's impossible to find. You just put in the work and got it done. Pretty much, yeah. I spent an evening Googling and playing with things. And yeah, there we go. Wow. Well, it's fantastic. I'm going to make sure that uh, we get this out there for those JC fans who, who want to hear more, who haven't had that chance. 
because yeah, I think a lot of us were waiting for the second album and frustrated with the fact that it never came, but this is so helpful. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, what is it about JC's music and sound that makes it special to you? Um, I think, I mean, probably the fact that I can keep listening to it. Um, but we're not quite endlessly, but you know, you get the idea, but also to be honest, his voice is really, really exceptional. Mm-hmm. Like there are people who have a greater range but there's nobody who has that tone. Yeah. Like there's something that really just kind of grabs you and pulls you. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very unique. That tone. Tone is everything in a singer really to be quite honest. If you got the tone, if you've not necessarily the range range, isn't that important as tone yeah. is like you said, um, and being able to be in pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you that know? too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that's not JC's never had a problem with pitch, but I'm saying like for people to know, like to be a good singer, I think those are really important qualities. So he has it in spades. He's incredible. And I'm happy that you were able to help me put it together. Some information about him to share on the show. Thank you so much, Annika. I appreciate it. And I just want to plug um, one of, I, I did some reading about this, um, but a really great, source of all of his troubles and convoluted you know dealings with jive is there's a um, a google docs um slideshow put together by Velez Chazé apparently on twitter okay. um but uh, so i got because uh, a lot of the you know the, the stuff about how things happen with kate and things like that i was no so that was a great source of information and i have sort of cross-checked it somewhat but it's nicely all put together um and there are some reviews and some nice pictures and things like that in there as well. So, if anyone wants Oh, thank you for sharing that. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.